Last week, we ended with a question as we were going through the song, Good God Almighty. Yeah, Good God Almighty. As we were going through the song, Good God Almighty, I left you with a question. Do you believe that God is good? How you answer that question impacts a lot of how you live your life and definitely impacts a lot with what we believe about God and how we interact with God. If we believe that he's good, then we trust that even though we don't understand things, we know that he's got our best interest at heart and we know that you know, like many parents or, or individuals who oversee and take care of kids, we, we want the best for them. But if we don't believe that he's good, then it absolutely changes how we interact with him or if we even believe in him at all. And people struggle with that question every single day. This morning, though, while I pray that you've been thinking about that this past week and that you've been thinking about how you would explain your belief one way or the other to somebody, this morning, I have a different question to ask you. And that question is, do you believe that he can? Fill in your own blank. Do you believe that he can? I believe that those two questions go very much together. Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he is good? We just sang a song and we introduced this song to many of you for the first time this morning. That the, the opening lyrics to this song are, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. The simplicity of those words goes so much back into whether or not we answer that question, I believe that he can, with a yes or a no. If you believe that the answer is no, I don't believe that he can, then that seems like a really simple and childish song. If you believe that your, if your answer is yes, you do believe that he can, fill in your blank, then the words of that song are simple yet incredibly powerful. I want to read to you what the author of that song, or at least what one of the authors of that song wrote about the journey to write that song. He says, the song has a sense of simplicity, almost childlike. I mean, stop and think about those words. It kind of has a little bit of that feel of, you know, the song that many of us, if we grew up in the church or we grew up in a, a Christian home, we would sing, we would grow up singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I mean, how simple yet profound were the words to that song. They weren't hard to learn, that was the reason that we taught it to kids, but so much truth packed into those words. And so that's what he says, this song has a sense of simplicity almost childlike. As writers, we can have a tendency to overcomplicate everything. I think a lot of us would say whether we write songs or not, we have a tendency to overcomplicate everything in life, period, but especially in our walk with Christ. It is good to do our best when writing songs to describe Jesus in the most awesome and majestic ways possible. But at the end of the day, the words all fail 
to compare to his greatness. Sometimes the best thing we can do is say his name and be captured again by the wonder of who he is. This song is simple truth that has become a powerful declaration. Just speaking the name of Jesus over our families, our communities, and our situations is the most effective thing that we can do. And he goes on to say, the song came as easy as it sounds. Jesse Reeves, who is one of the pastors that he works with, this is Dustin Smith is the songwriter, Jesse Reeves is one of his pastors. Jesse Reeves prayed over us before we started writing and just said, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over these people. That was it. The whole prayer, nothing more, nothing less. And that is all I want to say over my congregation, over my family, over my sickness, over depression and anxiety. All we needed was a melody because we already had the most powerful word, Jesus. There is mighty power in the name of Jesus. Think back, whether it was when you were a little kid or whether it was just a week ago or maybe even less, think back to what it was like when you first decided that you were gonna call on that name. That you first believed that that name held more power than any other name. When you first believed that the man behind that name died for you, rose from the grave again so that you wouldn't have to live a life of guilt, so that you wouldn't have to live a life of hopelessness. Think back to, to when that was. I don't know how long ago it was for all of you. For me, it was 30 plus years ago. And I remember, and, and you can probably remember as well, that when that first moment happened, you probably believed that Jesus could do anything. That you could call on him for anything. You could speak his name over anything. Now we did talk several weeks ago about when Jesus instructed us on how to pray, he said we pray to the Father, but we pray in the name of the Son. That we pray in the name of Jesus. And I don't just mean we sign off in Jesus' name, amen, but we pray with the understanding that it is because of what he did and the power that he left for us in his spirit that we can pray these things in the first place. Go back and remember what that was like when you believe that he can do anything. And then I ask you, do you still sit in that spot? Or are you like many individuals, and myself guilty of this at times included, where it's kind of like with our parents that we, when we're first born and, and when we're in those younger years, our parents or whatever adult it is that kind of uh, raises us and takes care of us, that, that we have these moments when we're young where we believe that they can do absolutely anything. Like my, I believed that my dad was the strongest man alive. Like even when I saw the people on TV who were lifting unimaginable weights, I just believed, you know what, my dad can do that. Like my, my dad can do anything your dad can do, and he can do it better. Like that was my belief. My parents were the greatest, and they could do anything. I realize now as a dad that they were making up half the stuff that they did. But they could still figure it out, and it was, it was incredible how they could figure these things out. And then I got to these teenage years, and most of us in this room also got to these things called teenage years, and, and we get to think, I know more than my parents do. 
In fact, I can do this better than my parents can anyway. So why would I call on my parents in the first place? Why even ask them for help? I was having a conversation in this room last week after, after service was over, and I won't say who it was that I was having the conversation with, Emilou, but, but we were having this conversation about how, you know, I wish that when we were young, we would realize that when we got old, we would be the lame ones. That we would be the ones who don't dress right and who don't talk right and who don't listen to the right music. I realize that, or I wish that when we were young, we would realize that because, man, that would so change how we interact with those who are older than us. We wouldn't look at our parents and immediately roll our eyes and think, you are the biggest dork in the entire world. Or our grandparents, well, let's not even go that far. Like we, we wouldn't have that. But we go through these years where most of us, anyway, have those stages of, my parents are just stupid. They can't figure anything out. And then we get a little bit older, and most of us get a little bit older, and we go back to that stage of, wow, I, I was really dumb during my teenage years. I can't believe that I thought that I knew more than they did. I remember man, when we had Keeley, I was sitting there going, I can't believe that I thought that this was easy that this wouldn't be any big deal. And now as my kids get older and, and more and more complications arise out of raising kids, and I mean, I've got great kids, don't get me wrong, but, but as there's more and more questions that I don't have the answers to, you know what I find myself doing more and more? Hey, mom, dad, was I like this? And what in the world did you do about it? Like, I don't even remember how you handled this, but I figure you've got to have an answer for me because somebody has to have an answer for me. When we first come to know Jesus, we believe that he can do anything. And then for so many of us, we get to this point where we're like, well, that's kind of a childish belief. Because I need to step in and I need to take care of this problem and this problem and Jesus goes from being the first person that we call out to, to we get to that, that phrase that so many of us use from time to time of, well, I guess praying over this is, it's the least I can do. What if praying over it is not the least we can do, but it's the most that we can do? I, I won't call you out, but I will admit that I have made, the, I have made that statement to people that I say, hey, I'm gonna pray for you, and they say, thank you, and I say, hey, it's the least I can do. When really what I was saying, hey, that, that is the absolute most I can do. Now, if there is something more that I need to do after that, hey, I'm in. But this is the best and most powerful thing that I can do. What does it take to get back to that kind of faith? Is it that it's not true? And that we grow up and we grow out of that stage? Or is it that we, we begin to hear all the voices around us all the time and we start to believe those instead? Jesus wrote, or not wrote, Jesus said this. In Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 4. It says, about that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called on a little child and put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you sins and become like little children, 
you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who becomes as humble as this little child who doesn't think that they know everything, that they can do everything. Now I realize that children can be, they can be pains and children can definitely have that mentality of I'm just gonna do what I wanna do and, and children can go into a room with the instructions to do this thing and then completely forget what it is that they were supposed to do 10 seconds after you told them what they were supposed to do. But you know the other thing about little children before they get to that, that stubborn stage is they don't think that they're better than their parents or their guardian. Instead, they understand that that person that God has put over them in their lives knows more than they do and is stronger than they are and, and, and is wiser than they are. It's not even an intentional humility where, you know, we walk around sometimes like, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm not the greatest thing in the world when in our head we're actually thinking, but I mean, pretty big stuff. You know, it's not even that kind of a thing. The humility of a little child that Jesus is calling us to have understands that Jesus can do absolutely anything. It's the child that when the tire gets flat on the side of the road, the first thing they think to do is to pray about it. And they actually have the prayer of sometimes, God, I pray that you would just reinflate this tire. And then the adult's sitting there going, he's not going to reinflate the tiring that. I've caught myself doing that with my kids, of correcting their prayers, and I have to stop myself sometimes. Like, I'm not gonna take away their belief that Jesus can do anything. It doesn't only mean that Jesus will do everything, but that Jesus can do anything. I just wanna speak the name of Jesus over fear and anxiety. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. There's a pastor in Denver, Colorado that we actually read some of his stories a few weeks ago. Uh, he was the guy who wrote about Tattoo Tony and Jessica was her name. I don't remember what the, the fancy title was that he gave her, but it was those stories that, that Morgan read when she was here. His wife... Uh, this is a family that's been in ministry for a long time. They love Jesus. They follow Jesus. They, they pursue him with everything they have in their hearts. But his wife battles with bipolar um, depression. And she, she will sit there and she believes with all of her heart that Jesus can take this away from her. That, that God can heal her of this depression. He can heal her of this bipolar disorder. And she'll be sitting there and she'll be having a great day. And then the next thing she knows... Everything has fallen apart. And it's suddenly the worst possible day that she could have. And she doesn't know why it happens. She doesn't see it coming. Her and her husband have struggled with this, like, you know, he sat there because he's not the one that struggles with it, and he's had those questions of, Man, can't, can't you feel this coming on you so you can at least give me a warning? Anybody who knows somebody who's bipolar knows what that feels like, and anybody who is bipolar 
knows what that feels like to not be able to explain why this is the way it is. And you better believe that they have called on the name of Jesus to take this away from her. She's gone to counselors, she's, she's on medication. It's, it's better than it used to be, but it's not gone. It's kind of similar to that passage we read in the New Testament where Paul talks about how I have flesh that I've, I've called on him to take away, but yet it's still there. But Jim and his wife, after going through some tough cycles, no question about it, are at that point now where they know that this may not ever be taken away. But I'm still going to call on the name of Jesus in the midst of all of this. And she is at a point now where even when she's having an episode, even when she's battling with it in its worst, she can still speak Jesus over it. And while it doesn't make her happy and grins and, you know, jumping for joy... She says she does feel a sense of peace in the midst of the worst moments. As she's realized his power in the midst of all of that. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew, what we have in Matthew 11, verse 28. She says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He didn't say that life was going to be easy. He said that his yoke is easy. Meaning that life can throw all of these heavy things on you. And, and when he said this, the Pharisees were putting all of these rules and just heaping all of these laws on top of people. Something that it was impossible to stand up underneath. And Jesus said, when you walk with me, your life's going to look different. Because anytime you enter into a relationship with somebody, your life is going to look different because of that relationship. So yes, your, your life will look different and there will be things that you will do different because of our relationship. But I'm not gonna make this a burden on you. I'm not making your life more difficult. So many times, I think that's how we talk about our walk with Jesus, which would affect whether or not we're gonna speak Jesus over something. If we talk about it as a, well, just so you know, life following him is going to be hard. And it's going to have, it's not going to be easy. But the yoke and the burden is light. Because even as the world around us throws things on us, there's joy in the midst of this. When we speak Jesus over these things. I don't want to stand up here this morning and tell you that if you would just pray harder, you would have no anxieties in your life. If you would just pray harder and just trust more, you wouldn't have any depression in your life. It doesn't take a long reading through the Psalms to realize that David, a man after God's own heart, had some pretty low moments in his life. And it wasn't always because of the decisions that he made. Saul, 
King Saul chasing David and trying to kill him was not because of the decisions that David made, but it took David through some pretty dark times. And you see that in the Psalms, but then you see that he writes this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When you think about the things that David went through and the pursuit for his life that he went through, and still being able to write those words, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now, David didn't have the name Jesus to call on at that point. Jesus hadn't walked on the earth yet. David called upon Yahweh, he called upon God. We can do the same thing. The build-up to this song, musically, gets us to this point in the bridge where it says to shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Regardless of what that enemy looks like, over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. When I first heard this song, there was that one line in there in particular that really caught me. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. How often do we stop and really pray Jesus over our families? Parents sitting in here this morning, I know based on my own experience, I know based on the experience of being a youth pastor, I know based on my experience of one, at one point in my life being a teenager or younger, I know that children can be difficult. I know that, that there are times where you wonder if maybe it would be better if your child moved out at the age of five instead of at the age of 18 or 20, or 25, or 30. I know that there are difficult moments in raising a child, and, and as someone who is married, I know that there are difficult moments in being married to somebody and living every moment of your life with somebody else. And as someone who has parents, I know that there are moments where your parents can really frustrate you, and you wonder why in the world they're doing the things that they're doing, and and why they're saying the things that they're saying. And, and I'm not just talking about when I was a teen, I'm talking about now that I'm in my mid-30s, approaching late 30s, but still mid-30s. I know that, that even now there are times where I'm sitting there going, Mom, Dad, what are you thinking? Hopefully they don't watch this later. But what if, in the midst of all of that, and in the midst of the most difficult times, the first thing that we did was speak Jesus over our family? I know that my parents did it for me, and I know that they did it for my four brothers. I know that they were, when we were little kids, praying over our future spouses, if indeed that was our future, was to get married. They were praying over their future grandkids, my children. They were praying for one another. They were praying for their parents. I have an excellent example of what it looks like when parents pray over their family. Admittedly, I could do better at praying over my family. 
What about our jobs? Do we stop and do we pray over our jobs? When we're frustrated by our coworker or our boss, do we stop and do we pray over it? And do we speak Jesus over each and every situation that it is that we're going through at work? Do we speak Jesus over this? Or do we immediately go to, I can figure out how to fix this? Or do we immediately go to, my job just really stinks and I can't believe that I'm in this? Maybe your job does stink, but do you start with speaking Jesus over it and see where he takes you from there? So simple, yet so powerful. We don't go to him as a genie in a bottle, expecting that he's going to give us our three wishes. But he is there for the brokenhearted. He rescues those who call on his name. Admittedly, it doesn't always look like we thought it was going to look when we went to him in the first place. But he is there he is there for us. Gloria Gaither wrote a song years ago where she just said, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. And now years later, we have this song that comes along and says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. This morning I have no doubts, and honestly based on people who came up to pray when we sang through that song for the very first time, I have even fewer doubts if there were any in my mind beforehand that there are individuals in here this morning who just need the name of Jesus spoken over you. So what we're gonna do this morning to end the service, to end our time together, is I'm going to invite you to come forward if that's you. We have some individuals who have volunteered to just speak the name of Jesus, whether it's over your job, over your family, over a temptation and addiction, whether it's over anxiety or depression. I don't know what it is in your life, but if you believe that he is good and you believe that he can, or even if you just want to believe those things but you're not totally sure, I would invite you to not leave here this morning without having the name of Jesus spoken over you. So simple, yet so much power.